Right, good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to those who uh, are joining us online. A couple things before we get started today. Uh, so it's that time of the month to put up our uh, giving slide. So if you want to take a look at where we are or where we ended January financially. So monthly budget, uh, giving to the general fund in January, short of budget, uh, but then new givers and January giving to the building fund. So a couple things uh, to highlight inside of that. So we had talked about this um, at the end of the year last year. Sometimes if you see chairs out of position in this room down here, it's because it rained last night and we don't want you to get wet uh, during the service. We have a leaky roof we put off for a long time. We're in a process of trying to, to get that figured out. So people um, have generously given uh, since the first of the year and even now towards the building fund to make it possible for us to be able to uh, put a roof on. And then also uh, thankful for those who have, you know, uh, come on board and are part of uh, regular giving here at Life Church to be able to uh, carry out our ministry and mission um, in this community. So finance is here. We're very transparent about them. Anybody has questions about what's going on, where the money's being spent, uh, we always try to put it up every month so you can see. But then also, uh, if you have questions, you can ask uh, any of us, me, or any of the staff or the elders, and we can help you if you have any questions about uh, money. The other thing is, last week, we talked about uh, the youth weekend coming up, so Ignite. Um, and we're really excited about what's happening inside of our youth ministry. Uh, if you missed it last week, our youth band was up here, um, and it was awesome. And so if you have haven't seen it, go back and watch it. Um, it was a great opportunity to see them do uh, and perform and be a part of worship last week. Uh, but then also, they're raising money for the uh, Ignite weekend. Um, and this money that's being raised is helping kids that uh, possibly aren't able to spend, be able to have the money to go. Um, it's an opportunity to um, raise money for that. And we had lots of people generously give last week, even though they didn't get a little maple cluster. They still, because I think we ran out at the end of last service. But if you didn't notice, there is more on the way in. So... If you didn't get maple clusters, and not only is there maple clusters, there's a whole lot of other stuff out there too. Um, so if you can, stop by. If you didn't get anything last week, stop by. At least say hi to the youth workers and the, and the people that are there um, and encourage them. And thank you, everybody, last week for your generous support and encouragement to um, our youth. We are praying. Uh, that during that Ignite weekend, not only will um, our kids here at Life Church have an incredible weekend of fellowship together, but it's an opportunity for them to reach their friends. Um, and so we're praying that, that kids are reached, we're praying that lives are transformed, and we're praying that a generation of young people will continue to change a generation of young people. Um, and so you can pray along with us with that. All right, so we are at the end of our Mastermind series. Um, and in this, I'll just give you a quick overview. The Mastermind series wrapped up in a quick 30-second blurb is this. The mind uh, and what we think drives the actions of our life. So there is a for sure war going on for your attention because if they have their att your attention, it can change the way that you think. The world has known that forever, and so the world is trying to change the way you think so that they can get you to act in a certain way. Well, inside of Scripture, we know this to be true also, that Satan also knows who controls the mind, also controls the actions of a person's life. And so we have said through this whole series that one thing that Satan can't take away from any person in this room who's given their life to Jesus Christ and, and has accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, he can't take away your salvation, but he can't take away your effectiveness in this world, right? So we got to figure it out. Right? Like we as Christian people have to figure out how should we be effective in this world and how does God want to use us? And so we've been talking about this whole idea, like how do you train your mind, right? Like how do you, how do you get your mind prepared for what, you're, what God wants us to do? And then once our mind's prepared and trained, then it turn into um, actions of our life. So what we're going to do today, so if you have your Bible, you can be turning to this. This is going to be Romans 8. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 16, where Paul talks about something that I think more times than not we skip over or we don't talk about. And it's this whole idea of being having the power to overcome the flesh, right? So how do we get to the place 
where all of these things we've been thinking about that we want to change, how do we have the power to do it? And so one of the things that I was thinking about a couple weeks ago is, you know, one of the things that amazed me when I was a mechanic and working on cars is that, you know, if you look at an engine, the horsepower that's in the engine, but how much horsepower you can also unlock by doing certain things, like it's there. So everybody that's not, doesn't care about engines is like, this is a dumb analogy. <laughs> okay, so for all of you guys that care about engines, come on, like you know this, right? Inside of every engine has horsepower that can be unleashed, right? If you just do certain things to the engine, you can unleash horsepower. And if you need it, you don't have any problem going out and doing whatever you need to get the extra horsepower that you need out of an engine or whatever it is in your life. Like if you apply it to anything, if you knew the power was there that could help you accomplish something and all you needed to do was a couple different things to unlock that power and all of a sudden you could do things that you were never able to do before, right? That's the whole idea behind it. I think everybody in this room would be like, if I could do that, I mean, where's it at? What does it cost? And let's go get it done. Well, it's the same thing inside of the Christian life. Paul talks about the power of the Holy Spirit, right? That you're going to be called to live a certain way, right? You're going to be called to do certain things in your life. And to be able to do those things, you're not going to be able to do them without the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've always said this, one of the things that I think we as Christians need to think about when we think about how we live our lives in this world is what separates us from the rest of the world? Like what separates us from other people that are around us who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Is it just because we have something to do on Sunday that they don't? You know, is it that we as Christian people are going to a destination that they are not? Right? Or are there things like this? Do you ever think about when you were singing this song, that song just a minute ago? I've seen you move mountains, and I want to see you do it again. I mean, I want you to think about this. First of all, have you seen God move mountains? Right? If you have not seen God move mountains, God moves mountains. I'm telling you. If you haven't heard it, God is a God that wants to move mountains. God is a God that does miracles. God is a God that when he works through us, the world steps back and say, what is going on, right? What separates us as Christian people is not the church that we go to, right? It's not the songs that we sing. It is the ability to do things that you could never do on your own. Nobody else has this ability. Nobody else has this power, right? Until you give your life to Jesus Christ, this is what Paul's going to talk about, you don't have what it takes to be able to, be, to overcome the world. You don't have what it takes to be able to see mountains move, right? You don't have the ability to, to do things that, that you're even going to say to yourself, I have no idea how I could do that. I have no idea how I could respond to that. I have no idea how I could deal with this certain situation. I have no idea how I could be this way, right? So Paul is going to teach us today. For us as a world, this is what we have to think about. We can master our mind, and we can be better with our time, and we can be better with our money, and we can be, you know, uh, more morally uh, superior, if we want to call that, than what we were a year ago. But that's not what separates us from the rest of the world. What separates us from the rest of the world or what separates us from people who don't know Jesus Christ is we are a people that have not only seen mountains move, that mountains have moved through his people. That when God sees, you know, and uses you, the rest of the world takes notice and says, when I see Troy, I see mountains move. I want to know how mountains move because he can't move them on his own. I mean, he's a big guy, but he ain't moving mountains, right? I mean, that's the way that it is. And the world's going to look and say, I don't know what's going on, but something's happening, and we've got to come back to all this. So Paul's going to teach us, and what we're going to look at today, in our mind, you've got to get this started first. There is a power inside of you that if you have not yet unlocked, you need to unlock it. Because it is the key to you being able to do things in this world that you could not do before. And for every Christian person, we know this, that same spirit, right, like you, I, for all of you guys that have said, yes, I've seen mountains move, and you look at them like, I don't know, 
That same spirit that's inside of those people that are doing things and, and you're watching mountains move is the same spirit living inside of you. You just haven't unlocked it yet or un- understood it yet. And so when we look at people, we're like, wow, if I only had that, I'm like, you got it. Like it's in you, right? Let's try to figure out how to be able to uh, unlock it. So Romans 8, Paul uh, in his writing is talking about this idea We know from the beginning there's always going to be a struggle to sin, right? There's going to be this struggle because your flesh is going to want you to do one thing. We know God's going to want us to do another thing. So he talks about this whole idea that how do you work through the struggle with the flesh and how do you live by the Spirit, right? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So here's what he says, starting in verse 1. He says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh. So now, just real quick, so we make sure we're tracking on the same page. What was the law powerless to do? So what was the law given for in the first place? So if you go clear back into the Old Testament, why was the law given? To the nation of Israel, right? So it was given to the Jews, given for a reason. The reason was to establish guidelines for a relationship with a holy God, right? That's what the law was to do. This is the guidelines. This is how you have a relationship with me. It was to set guidelines of how you have a relationship with other people, right? That was part of what the law was. And that if you understood a relationship between God, guidelines, and other people, guidelines, the other thing that the law was to do is to separate the people or the nation of Israel so that the rest of the world would say, we serve eight gods, we serve 10 gods, you serve one, I want to know more about your one God. Right? That's what it was supposed to do. The power of the law, again, became weak because of the flesh. Right? That's what it's saying. So what the law was supposed to do, define a relationship, define a relationship, and set God apart in a world, wasn't able to be accomplished because of the weakness of the flesh. Follow all of the kings of the nation of Israel. Right? Follow the law. God is good. Great things are happening. God shows up, does things. Like if you read these stories, they almost seem fictional. You know what I mean? Like you read these Old Testament stories and and you're like, how is that even possible? They dug ditches and water appeared. Hundreds of thousands of people against 10,000 people and 10,000 people defeated hundreds of thousands of people. Right? That's what he was trying to say is like, there is this God is bigger than every obstacle, every army, everything that's out there. Every, but the kings kept having this problem. Well, I don't know. I think I could take care of it. Right? Like, I think I could do it. And so at the end of the day, they tried to do it, and, and the flesh got in the way because they couldn't figure it out. And at the end of the day, they tried to do it on their own, and the law could not change people, right? And God realized that. Like, the law was set there, and the law was going to be there for the people, but it didn't give them the power just by carrying out the law to trust in times where they needed to move a mountain, and they needed to wait on God, and they couldn't get it done because the flesh was weak. Right? They needed to be able to figure that out. So he says, that was why the law was established, but the law was powerless to do so because of the weakness of the flesh and that we're always struggling against that. So he says, so God did by sending his son in his likeness of a sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin uh, in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. So again, just Catching up real quick, what was the righteous requirement of the law? That if there was sin, blood had to be shed to cover sin, right? So that was the righteous requirement of the law. Jesus Christ came. He fulfilled the the righteous requirement of the law so that your sin can be covered by the blood of Jesus. Okay? Does that make sense? So he's saying, let me, let me bring it all back to you from the beginning because I don't want you to miss this. I don't want to just get into what it means to live by the power of the Holy Spirit because you first need to learn what it means to be saved. This is what it means to be saved. Not being a religious person, right? That's not how you get saved. You don't get saved by doing good things. The, the law tried to do that. You, you see what I'm saying? 
right? Like the law tried to get you to be good, but the flesh could never get by it, like it couldn't get it done. The law and the requirement of the law was to carry it all out and, and, and be perfect in the law. They could never do it. They kept failing all the time. So he sent Jesus Christ to say this. Every time a sin happened in your life, if you were a father of a home right now and there was sin inside of your family, you had to go and you had to take a lamb and you had to sacrifice a lamb and you had to tell your kids the reason we had to kill your lamb that you loved is because of sin, right? Blood had to be shed for the sin of mankind. Jesus came and said, I'm the final lamb. So for everybody in this room, this is what he says. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have to first recognize this. You can never do it on your own. Never. I don't care how good you want to be. I don't care how good people are telling you you have to be. You will never be good enough. I mean, that's like something to be like, really? And something to be like, really? You know what I mean? Like it's, thank goodness I'm never going to be good enough, but thank goodness for the substitute of the Lamb of Jesus Christ who says he will cover all of my sins in my past, thank the Lord, in my present, thank the Lord, and in my future, really thank the Lord, right? Like he covers them all past, present, and future, and now I am in right standing with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ, nothing that I have done. We all good with that? Okay, now, you got a job to do. (laughs) Now you better learn how to live and move some mountains because you know what? Somebody else needs that same message. Somebody else needs to see the same God that you saw at some point and accept that same God, and they're going to see it because they see you. They're going to see it because you moved mountains in the midst of all of that. And so then that's when he goes on and he says, right, that this is the uh, sin offering through Jesus, who do not live according to the flesh, because now that you are saved, you no longer are powerless to overcome those sins. You know what I'm saying? You ever have those sins? You're like, I can never get it figured out. Yeah, thank you, Troy. I mean, it's those things that you're like, I just can't get it right. I can't stop watching. I can't stop looking. I can't stop spending. I can't stop, right? Like, put it on the list. Like, I can't get over it. And he says, that's not true. Maybe before, when you were trying to be good, like when you were trying really hard to not do certain things and then you keep doing the same things. Like, yeah, you're right. The law, I mean, just because somebody told you, that you should live a certain way and you should do certain things in a certain way and they tell you and you try and then you just don't do it anymore. Like you can't get it done. You're like, I can't figure out why I can't get it right. I know that it's wrong, right? That's the flesh. That's the battle, right? The battle of the flesh is I can't figure it out. I don't know how to get it right. We keep going back and forth. I want to do right, but I never get it right. We're back to now. Paul says that was before your salvation, Right? Before your salvation, you're right. You didn't have the power to overcome sin. But now that you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are no longer controlled by the flesh, but controlled by the Spirit. (laughs) The Spirit. (laughs) Think about this. We're going to talk about here in just a second. This is the Spirit that was present on the day of creation. I mean, you hear me? Like, Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit created everything. This is like, the Holy Spirit wasn't an afterthought of like, oh man, I need a, something to give back to him. I'm going to be gone and I don't know, I got to send him something. So can we just create the Holy Spirit and he'll just come down and live inside of people? No, this was like, the Holy Spirit has been there from the beginning. And when Jesus Christ left, The Holy Spirit now resides in every single one of you. Every one of you. And the Spirit, what Paul's going to talk about here in a second, is the thing that gives you power to move mountains. Gives you the power to overcome sin. Gives the power to believe in miracles. God is still a God of miracles, right? He is. God is still a God that is making his presence known in this world by showing up in the lives of people, doing things that nobody thought were possible, 
right? He is that God that's going to show himself in that way, but he's going to do it because it's through his people who are living by the Spirit and not by flesh. And, and this is what I don't want us to miss, is listen, we need to be a people, and, and we're going to keep looking at what this means, but we need to be a people led by the Spirit. We need to be a people that understands that if we allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of us, things are going to happen in this world you never thought were possible. But as long as we sit back and be like, I don't know, and I can't overcome, and what if I do? I mean, that just, he's saying, let's, let's get over that by living by the Spirit. Now, here's what he says, and this is where our mind fits into it. This is verse 5. It says, those living according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. So he starts off right away saying that you as a Christian person, you know, before you were a Christian and before the Holy Spirit lived inside of you, your mind was set on things of the world, flesh, right? That's what controlled your thinking. And we already know this. So what controls your thinking also controls your... Yes, it worked. We've been doing it for three weeks. We got part of the people, right? (laughs) So whatever controls your thinking is controlling the actions of your life. Right? And so he's saying, in the beginning, before Jesus, your things were, naturally you're going to care about the things of the world. Naturally you're going to care about the things of the flesh. And naturally you're going to do the things of the flesh. Right? That's just the way um, that it works. And he says, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Right? The Spirit desires. I said this to our men's group, and we've been talking about this really in every men's group I've ever been in. I give this same challenge. For one week, you know that little voice every once in a while you hear it tells you to do something? You're like, what? You, I mean, I don't know. Is somebody talking to me or I have this feeling? Anybody have that feeling? Right? You're like, I should do, I should call, I should talk, I should give. I'm like, if you want to start to understand the power of the Holy Spirit— Every time you hear that voice, do not hesitate in that moment. Do whatever it says. And all of a sudden, that voice is going to get louder. It's going to get louder. Because a lot of people are like, well, I don't know what the Spirit wants me to do. And I'm like, I bet it's because you're not listening. Because I just can't believe he doesn't want to talk to you. (laughs) Right? Like, you're never going to convince me that a spirit living inside of you who wants to change the world is like, today I'm going to be silent. I don't really care what you do today. Today's your day off. Today's your cheat day, right? Just do whatever you want. Right? This is not the way that it works. It can't be the way that it works. It has to be that if we are listening, if he does have something to say, he's going to speak. The bigger question is, are you listening? The bigger question is, do you know the desires of the Spirit? Because if you are going to live a life that moves mountains, you better get in tune with the Spirit. You better learn to listen. Right? And I, I want to give you a warning, and I'll give you a warning based upon my own circumstances right? in my life. This has happened over you know, whatever amount of years of being a Christian. When you stop listening, when you stop obeying, the voice gets a little softer, a little softer, to pretty soon you're like, man, I just don't even hear from the Lord anymore, and I can't figure out why. And I'm always like, well, maybe because he, he won't listen. I mean, you ever have those kids that you talk to over and over again and they don't seem to hear you? You're like, I don't know why I'm saying the same thing. A few of you have raised them, right? Like you just keep saying and you're like, hello, is there anybody in there? Right? I've said the same thing over and over again. I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm not going to say it anymore. If you want to run into the side of a mountain, if you want to knock your head against the wall, if you want to go in a ditch, more power to you. I already told you, stay out of the ditch, stay on the road. There's a pole. Don't run into that pole, right? Drive. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way it is. So he's saying, I I want you to be here, but if you're not going to listen to me and you need to run into a pole and crash your car, and then you'll listen to me, I guess crash your car and then come back. I would rather, I've learned from experience, I'd rather not crash my car. (laughs) Anybody else, right? Like, I would rather not go down that road. I am a little bit stubborn, a little bit bullheaded, but I would rather not have to be, like, picking up the pieces and putting them back together. I would rather keep it on the road type of a thing. Well, that happens because we listen, right? 
led by the Spirit and his desires. That's what Paul is trying to tell us uh, in there. And then he goes on and says, uh, but, the mind is gover- but the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Verse 7, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Do you see what he's saying? Like you can try all you want to live the way God wants you to do, and you can try to live out the law, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, are you going to get it done? No, like you can't get it done. It just doesn't work. That's what he was trying to tell us. And if you think being religious pleases God, it does not. Am I saying that right? Like, just because you go through religious activities without living in the Spirit, God's not like, wow, I'm so excited that you came to church, although I'm excited you came to church. Right? Like, the idea is, you know why you came to church this morning? Because you came to church out of obedience. You came to church because the Spirit, you came to church because you're looking for an opportunity today to, to touch the life of somebody in this room. That's why you're here. Right? The reason that we're here this morning is because we are spirit-led people who told us we should get up and be here because God has something today for you and for other people. Right? That's what he's trying to say. Just don't go through the activities. Like you show up to men's group or you show up to women's group or you're in a community because you're expecting God to do something, not just to learn more about the Bible. Right? We all want to learn more. We all want to understand more. But in the understanding, I want to see God do something, right? I want to see and be a part of something. I don't want to just be, you know, in the place where we're just learning more. That's what I'm saying about religion, right? We don't want to just get caught up in a cycle of just doing religion. He says in verse 9, You, uh, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. And indeed, the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, that's what I was talking about, right? The one that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Pretty miraculous. Guess what? He's in you right now as a Christian in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to mortal bodies because his spirit, because his spirit who lives in you. Now, therefore, so if you're reading scripture and there's a lot of information and there is a therefore, do we know what to do with every time you see a therefore in scripture? Circle it and underline it. Why? There's something to do. <laughs> right? Like, I gave you a bunch of information. Now I want you to do something with this information, right? That's when we're reading scripture. Anytime you see a therefore, I always highlight it, because then if you're flipping back through your Bible, you're like, there must be some information before this that I need to do. So here's what he says in verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, not a suggestion. Does that make sense? It's an obligation, not a suggestion, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the the misdeeds of the body that you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now, I'm going to show you some scripture in Galatians. We're not going to have it up here. I don't think they have it up here. But um, the scripture in Galatians, so this is really important. So people ask me all the time, like, I don't know where I'm really at, or where am I? I'm not sure if I'm saved, if I'm not saved. And so one of the things that um, we talked about is like, it's obvious. Like, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, here's what you need to do. You need to realize that you're a sinner, like everything we talked about in the beginning, and that you need to blood of Jesus Christ to cover your sin. But here are some then proofs of your salvation, right? That's what he's talking about. Because he says at the end of this, for those who are led by the Spirit are what? children of God. Right, thank you. So if you're, if you're led by the Spirit, you are a child of God. And then there are things in Scripture that would say, so what does it look like for somebody who lives by the flesh? So do you want to test? Anybody want to test to see where they're at? Live by the flesh. It says people who are living by the flesh, this is things in their life 
people who are led by the Spirit, there are these things in their life. So here's what he said. So you could go to this. This is in Galatians, right? Paul writes the same thing. So this is in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, and then Galatians 5, 22 through 25. So you can write it down. You can go back to it, whatever you want to do. I'm going to read it for you. But it's something where Paul identifies... If you're going to live by the flesh, this is going to be some things that are going to be in your life. If you're going to live by the Spirit, these are going to be some things in your life, okay? Here's what he says. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. So the acts of the flesh are obvious. So that's what Paul was talking about in the beginning, right? There's a battle with your flesh, right? And your flesh is going to want to draw you into certain things, right? Here's what it's going to try to draw you into. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? Very important that when he says these things, right, when he's talking about these acts of the flesh, important to listen to what he says at the end. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, okay, not for those who make a mistake and get drunk on a Saturday night. Is that compared to drunkenness? What's the difference? Right? Huge difference, right? Like, hey... Had a couple too many, right? You know, bad idea. I shouldn't be doing that. Compared to getting hammered every weekend. A little bit different, right? Right, in the way. You know, the same things. Selfish ambitions. Every once in a while, we kind of get wrapped up in ourselves. Right? And we kind of just think of ourselves. Right? So every once in a while, you have selfish ambitions. Or there are people who completely live for themselves and no one else. Big difference, right? The difference being is he's talking about lifestyles of people who live inside of the flesh, right? It's just a lifestyle, right? Things that you just do all the time. He says to them, that is living in the flesh. And for those people, and again, this isn't like, you know, I got to figure out. I mean, he just says at the end, he's like, those people aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God because do you see how opposite that is of living in the spirit? Because this is what he says is living in the Spirit. This is Galatians 5, 22 through 25. He says, you know, and remember, a lot of things inside of Scripture is talked about when it comes to fruit. You're either going to produce good fruit or bad fruit, right? So bad fruit would be no good tree can produce bad fruit, but a good tree will produce good fruit. So he talks about it. These are the, you ever hear this, the fruits of the Spirit? Right, so if you're going to live a spiritual life or by the Spirit, here's what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the Spirit. Keep us in step with the Spirit. You see the difference right? Acts of the flesh or living by the flesh or the, the, the fruit of the spirit, they're two different things. And what he says to us, as Christian people, we put to death or crucify the, the deeds of the flesh, right? And the way that we kill sin, right, in our lives is that we kill that sin and then we live by the spirit, okay? So I'm going to give you five quick things. How do you kill sin and live by the spirit? Here's the first one. Hey, you can write these down. They're not going to be up there. You have to admit that you actually have sin. If you want to kill sin, you better admit that you have it. People that are blind to their own sin, right? This is why I always tell people, you know, you should have other people in your life that it's okay for them to come up to you and you say, hey, by the way, that ain't right. Because sometimes we get blinded by the sin in our own life. If you can't admit that you are sinning, then there's no way to kill the sin, right? And so the problem, and I've told you guys this, the problem in the Christian world today is is that we have justified sin. We've justified it. 
We have said very clearly the Bible is our absolute truth, right? If the Bible says it is a sin, regardless of what the world says, is it a sin? It's a sin. And it's okay to admit, I'm a sinner. I don't know why that's so hard for people. Like, I have zero problem doing that. Like, I have zero problem, like, I'm doing awful at this one right now. Like, this one right here, <laughs> Lord, give me help, right? Because this one ain't going so well. And I admit it, because I, if I don't admit sin, then why do I need the power of the Spirit to overcome it? If you justify, and this is the, you want to know why part of the reason we don't see the power of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of people? Because you don't need him. Because you're unwilling to admit, I'm, <laughs> I need help. If I want to move mountains, if I want to change the world, if I want to be the father, the mother, the grandfather, the grandmother, if I want to be the employer or the employee, if I want to change the world, I've got to admit I have some shortcomings, but the Holy Spirit's going to give me the power to overcome, and the world's going to see God for who he really is. I'm not keeping him over there just for when I need him. He is with me. I'm going to admit my failures. It's okay to admit my failures, but we have to admit our sin. And then we have to have our heart fixed on God, right? Not the things of the world. If you want to kill sin, you got to have your heart fixed on God. You have to look at and remember this, okay? Whenever I go hunting, like I look at creation and I'm in awe. I don't know what, the, I don't know what your awe factor is. Like, I don't know when you get to the awe factor of, like, holy cow, God is incredible. Right? For some of you, whatever that is, you need to go back to, and you need to regain your awe of God. The amazingness of the God who created each one of us, created this universe. You need to fix your eyes on that instead of a broken world. Because when you fix your eyes on a broken world, we don't think it can ever be fixed. And I'm saying, listen, I'm focusing on the God that created the world. He could fix anything. I don't care what the political landscape is and the coronavirus and all that. Listen, whatever. There is a God of the universe that created everything. I'm putting my trust in him. I'm going to do everything I need to do on this earth, and I'm going to do everything that he calls me to do. But at the end of the day, I'm putting my faith in the guy that created everything. So I'm going to fix my eyes on him. I'm going to kill that sin of being short-sightedness and look into the God of the universe. The third one is this, is that we need to meditate on God's word. If, if you've never read, like I'm just, uh, I would recommend this to you. If you've not been, not a student of scripture, but reading stories inside of scripture, I think you need to do it. Because I think if you haven't done it, you're going to be amazed what happens. And a lot of people are like, well, that was Bible times and this is today. No, the same God then is the same God now. The same God that rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace that you watched on Veggie Tales with your kids is the same God who wants to rescue people today. The same God that closed the mouth of the lions, right? All of the stories that you put up on your flannel boards, you know, showing my age. When I was in Sunday school and they put the flannel board up there, right, and you showed them closing the mouth of the lions and you sang some song that I can't even remember anymore. But at the end of the day, that God is still the same God that's shutting the mouth of lions. He is. And until you start reading it and being in awe of the God of the universe that does great things and says, these aren't stories for us to sit back and just talk about. These stories are to remember, I want to shut the mouth of the lion that's trying to consume you today. Let me shut the mouth of the lion. Let me be the overcomer. Let me stand in the place where I was designed to be. Let this be a new story for people to read. And if we're not meditating on the Word of God, you're missing out on some pretty amazing things that the God of the universe has done, and listen to me, wants to do in your life today, and is waiting for those opportunities. If you want to kill sin and live by the Spirit, we got to meditate on God's Word. The other thing we got to do is we got to pray. 
One of the great things that Jesus gave us as an example, before he did anything, he went alone and he listened to God. He said, I've done nothing on this, in this world that I haven't been commanded to do. That's what Jesus Christ said. If Jesus Christ needed to be alone to listen to his father, who thinks that we're going to get it done not being alone? Who thinks we're not going to get it done if we don't spend time in prayer? If you don't have the opportunities to get away and listen to what God, you can say all day long, like, God, I want to listen to you. Okay, so have you taken any moments in your day to stop for just one second and be in silence and listen on a regular basis? Like, God, I really want to hear from you. First of all, when you start that, that's kind of an awkward thing, like if you've never sat in silence before. Anybody else do that? Like you sit in silence and you're like, has it been two hours? And it's only been like 30 seconds. Because you're like, you're not used to being there waiting for something to happen. Well, we've got to be in a, in a regular time. Like this isn't just when you need him. Like this is really important. A lot of people pray only when they need him. I'm telling you, you need him every day, so you need to go to him every day. Sit alone, listen to what God has to say. He has something for you today, so we need to pray. The last one is we need to practice obedience. So the band's going to come back up. I told you guys this before, but I want to say it again. One of the most impactful things that ever happened to me, um, I'll never forget, is when I read the book Crazy Love. Anybody read the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan? If you haven't, you should. And, And here's why. He says in that book, he says, you know what one of the craziest things inside of the United States of America is, is that people know way more than they do, right? Like people read the Bible and they're like Bible scholars, but then you actually look at what they do and living out what the Bible says, and it's about this much compared to all of they know. So he said, in the midst of this, this is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to go for the next week. And he says, as you're doing your daily devotion, so whether it's a week or a month, I want you to read, and as soon as the Bible commands you to do something, I want you to shut it and don't open it up again until you go do it. Because you need to learn to practice obedience instead of just read Scripture. Right? Well, I'm like, <laughs> you would figure the first thing that you open up to would be something that would be impossible to do. You know what I mean? Like, that's how it would be. Like, you're going to open up Scripture, and you're going to start reading a devotion, and God's saying, like, I need you to go to that person that you can't stand. <laughs> I need you to stop doing this certain thing, which you think is impossible. Whatever that stuff is, the Bible is full of those things. And, and for us as Christian people, we need to get to the place where we practice that obedience, right? Where we get to the place where we see that the reason that he gives us this stuff in our lives is because he wants us to do it, right? He doesn't give them as suggestions, right? If we want to see mountains move, if you want to see God shut the mouth of lions, if you want to see God take, you know, little itty-bitty bits of faith, mustard seed-type faith, and grow it into something that you never thought was possible, then we as Christian people need to unlock the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You need to come to the place where when we walk out of here today, Paul says, master your mind, think on the right things, you know, meditate on the right things, get to the right place where you need to be, but don't walk out of this room without a plan to listen and obey what the Holy Spirit has in your life. And I'm I'm trusting that for whatever it is for you today, these obstacles that you can't overcome, these emotions, these health issues, these whatever those things are, we say, you know, today I'm giving it to you, God. This is yours. I'm going to trust you. If you did miracles, I'm going to trust that you can continue to do miracles. I'm going to trust inside of my mind that's racing a thousand miles an hour because I don't know what's going on inside of my body that you're going to calm my mind. Nothing else has. You know, no doctor report, no, no, no conversation with somebody has given me ultimate peace, but today I'm going to rest in you and you're going to give me the peace. It surpasses all understanding because of the power of the Spirit. And I'm trusting that we as a church, we as a people of God, 
because we are obedient to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the world is going to take notice. And the world is going to look up and say, I need to know about that God. I need to know why your life is that way. And I pray that we will take advantage of every opportunity to show people what it means to live by the Spirit and to see God move in amazing ways. Will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, in knowing that um, there is a battle going on for our mind, Lord. And so we have committed as a church and as a people to recognize that battle and to put in place the things that we need to, to win this war. Lord, I pray today that we as a people will be sensitive to your voice. But maybe for some of us in this room, we just haven't heard you for a really, really long time. Lord, I pray that you will speak loudly today and that we as a people will take notice. Lord, I pray that we as a church and as a people of God will open our minds to who you really are, the creator of the universe and what you really want to do. Lord, we just don't want to sing about mountains move. Lord, we want to see it in our own lives and in the lives of the people that are closest to us. So Lord, may we be a people that allow the Holy Spirit to move in ways that whatever mountains are in front of us, they will move. Whatever challenges are in front of us, we will be able to overcome. And we will be a people that you can use to change this world. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
think what a perfect ending when the song says that even when I can't see, I'm going to trust the voice that speaks. And I think that's where all of us are. Whatever the challenges that God has in front of you, there are times we can't see past those challenges. We can't see over those hills. We don't know what's on the other side. But he says, trust in me. And if you do that, we can have faith that what's on the other side is what he has for each one of us. And that living by the Spirit, he will be able to show himself as the God of the universe and the Christ and relationship that he wants to be for each one of you. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks for being online. Don't forget, stop by the youth table, uh, say hi to them, support what they're doing, encourage them, continue to pray for the Ignite weekend as we see lives change. Thanks for coming. We'll see you guys next week.